0: Alright, so that brings us into Chapter 7 here, Mudbloods and Murmurs. So, judging off of how this chapter started, uh, it sounds like it hasn't been the best first week of school for a significant portion, maybe two out of three, of the gang thus far. Uh, between Harry being accosted at every angle by Gilderoy Lockhart and Colin Creeby, who is always asking for autographs and tips on how to be as great as Harry Potter and Ron's wand many malfunctioning to the point where it blasts Flitwick in the face and gives him a gnarly blister in the middle of his temp is like right between his eyebrows. All I right, Ron, I thought
1: temple. we, I thought we had this. I thought we had this settled from last chapter. Okay. You can't say that Harry's being accosted by Gilroy Lockhart. And then in the same sentence, say that Harry's got too many fans coming up to him and bothering him. That's the whole thing that Lockhart's trying to tell him is you're too famous, Harry. You got to calm down. Okay, so only one of these things is wrong. So
0: I think he's not outwardly looking for these fads. It's not his own fault. It's fame just that's, chases that, him, dude.
1: That's not the point
0: that Lockhart's trying to make. No, Lockhart's telling him he's an attention seeker, but okay. he's not just seeking listen, any attention Listen right to now. your mentors. Oh,
1: Harry's God. always seeking attention. Harry bought the entire trolley worth of candy. You think that wasn't seeking attention? Day one. Yeah. I, I really can't defend that because I knocked him for
0: buying the whole trolley. So you got me there, Drew, you win this round. I will give you that. Thank you. So kind of, I want to go back to Ron's wand, manufac- uh, malfunctioning. I don't know why I keep saying manufacturing. I'm thinking of like a warehouse, but there's no warehouse here. Um, where Ron's wand malfunctions to the point where it's shooting off spells by itself. Like he can't control where they're going cause of his dangly tip. Um, I'm curious how a school is able to give some orphan Quidditch prodigy a broom, but they won't hook up a student who's clearly hella poor and needs, like, necessary equipment to perform his school tasks. I don't know why they haven't given him any kind of funds for a wand or anything like that. They can't, like, just ship him out to uh,
1: Ollivanders for, like, 20 minutes. So So I'm picturing this... trip. I'm picturing this more as like an alumni donation system like McGonagall did not buy Harry that broom as the head of Gryffindor. She bought Harry that groom as a Gryffindor fan that loves Quidditch. So like no alumni cares about Ron enough to buy him a wand except for his parents, which all he has to do is call his parents, which his friend said, which he doesn't want to do because he doesn't want to get yelled at again.
0: I mean, he just got yelled at in front of the entire school. I don't think he wants another howler saying, oh, your wands broken. Maybe you should have thought of that before you took the car. So I feel like he just doesn't
1: want to. Well, then he doesn't then he doesn't get to complain about not having a working wand, which to his defense, he doesn't really. You're the only one complaining. (laughs) I'm complaining because
0: I see a grave injustice being done by this school, and I think we need to be better as an organization of higher learning.
1: Props to him, though. The, this made me realize that I don't think he complains once about his wand being broken. He just goes about his normal day.
0: This might be a spoiler, but the fact that he passes this school year with a broken wad just shows how like, not as bad of a student as the movies would make you think he is.
1: This is true, or that hands-on practical learning is not important at Hogwarts.
0: Oh, really? That's interesting. Maybe we should stay tuned and revisit that discussion a little <laughs> bit later on.
1: Maybe just in a few books or so. <laughs> yeah, just
0: a couple. Um, so we come to a weekend and, you know, everybody looks forward to the weekend. It's a great time to unwind, maybe sleep in a little bit unless you're on the Gryffindor Quidditch team. Then you are woken up and dragged out of bed quite rudely by your insane captain. So we see Oliver Wood again for the first time in a while. He barges into Harry's room, which like kind of surprised he could just enter a younger students room like that, even if it's the same gender, that's a little odd, but he's just like, Harry, we got to trade. Like, I don't care about the weather. I don't care how early it is. We got to be better. We got to be great. And then he's dragging Harry off to Quidditch and who joins, but Colin Creevy?
1: Yeah. Harry complains a lot here, but, uh, I'm going to say some famous quotes by some, uh, one of my famous, one of my most popular famous people. Popular, okay. one of my most liked famous people. Um, if you're not better, getting better, I guarantee Slytherin is early bird gets the worm. Try hard, try harder, uh, die trying. Oliver Wood, probably.
0: Yeah, probably Oliver Wood. I feel like he would have said that. I was thinking maybe you just watched The Last Dance on Netflix and that's what you were going to try to pull from. <laughs>
1: No, honestly, I meant to look up a quote and I just could not find it. I guess I'm remembering the quote horribly wrong. It's the the one like if you're not getting better, I guarantee someone else is like that was a huge motivation thing for me in high school. And I just can't find the actual quote. So that's just a failure on my memory.
0: That's a bummer because that is actually a pretty good quote. And I feel like Oliver Wood does live this. He reminds me a lot of some of our old coaches from high school.
1: Yeah, that's what I was picturing when he said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just cool because he's also on the team.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would like Oliver Wood as my captain, though, to be totally honest.
1: Yeah, but it's not like your coaches who are telling you to do 10 wind sprints and then 50 push ups because he's right along there with you. He's not just staring at you while you do them.
0: Which just brings up the point. So, some schools have captain's practices every so often where it's just the captain's leading. I feel like every Quidditch practice is a captain's practice, and I don't think these guys are certified to do anything in terms of like administering early preventative first aid or anything of that nature. So I feel like this is not good.
1: Yeah, no, not at all. Connecticut uh, specifically, I only know Connecticut and Idaho rules because I did coach in both sports, but Connecticut has a ton of laws on captain's practices to the point where most schools just say don't do them. Yeah, and, and I could, this school is running purely on captain's practices.
0: Yeah, I could guarantee Oliver Wood might know like a pisky. Maybe I think that might be a little later on in the magical career, learning those spells. And I think that would be the entirety of it. And that means like very minor broken bones. So like, I don't know, this this just screams lawsuits. Uh, could you imagine if Draco Malfoy got hurt during a Quidditch practice, a captain's practice?
1: Yeah, they would not be happy.
0: Yeah, that would not be great. Not great at all.
1: But that just brings us back to the point that we made last book about the gym class in itself being taught by someone we never see do magic. So just all athletic activities are done poorly in the school.
0: Oh, hang on to your butt because I'm going to complain about her by the end of this episode, too. (laughs) Okay, good. Good. God, I fucking can't stand Hooch. But continuing on, so Harry, uh, Colin Creevy is basically splitting, spitting out every single fact in chronological order from the Harry Potter Wikipedia page, just like asking Harry all these questions. And like, that's kind of weird, first of all. And second of all, like too early for this shit, kid. Like, let's calm down a little bit. Also, Drew, question for you without giving away any spoilers. Who do you think? Exactly. (laughs) Who do you think? Who do you think stands the hardest for Harry Potter? Ginny, Colin Creevy, or Dobby?
1: at this point or without spoilers in the end
0: let's just go with in the end but do not spoil anything
1: i mean Ginny. then
0: i mean okay that's fair how about at this point who stands hardest for him
1: i i have to go with colin dobby has not shown love for harry he's just shown hate for what's trying to hurt harry and Ginny has said maybe three words to him so colin's gotta colin's gotta take it in my book
0: yeah, I think you make a solid point because like Ginny is obsessed with him to the point where she actively tries to avoid him so as to not embarrass herself. And then Dobby just like sabotages him at any point because he's like, Harry Potter, I love you. Don't get hurt.
1: And Dobby legitimately he, tried to kill him.
0: Yeah. Stay tuned. That's coming up at the end of this episode. <laughs> so we get down to the Quidditch pitch and all the other Quidditch players are exhausted, rubbing their eyes like nobody wants to be there. And why is Oliver getting everybody up so early? Um, he is doing his best Vince Lombardi uh, the, with the sweep play impersonation where you go right up the alley except it's all Quidditch tactics with his magical whiteboard.
1: No, I, slight correction on wording there, Ron. That's what he's getting them up for. Why he's getting them up is because Ravenclaw just beat them for the first time in 300 years. He had to think about that all summer. This man lives and dies for Quidditch, and he was the first Gryffindor to lose to a Ravenclaw team in 300 years. Hashtag Ravenclaw Quidditch is amazing.
0: Well, when you put Uh, it that way, yeah, it's kind of understandable.
1: Yeah, I'd be ripping those kids out of their beds too.
0: But at the same time, enough with the accusatory attitude where like Harry literally saved the school from Voldemort. Yeah. And like Oliver Wood was probably like spanking it in his room watching his fourth year keeper highlights on repeat <laughs> from their game against Hufflepuff.
1: He was editing together his uh his highlight tape from high school.
0: Yeah, he was making his ad one mixtape to send to YouTube and hope that he would go to get viral yeah exactly he's like trying to be the zion williams of quidditch right now
1: yeah it was super weird that he was trying to throw harry under the bus like just have a substitute seeker ready i don't know yeah
0: exactly where again like i they don't talk about it much here but i feel like I think later on, there's a point where it's like you can if you have a player that's suspended or can't play, you get somebody else like you have the opportunity to get somebody else. But then you have to train them up in anticipation of your next match. Like they're not on the reserve team practicing with you guys like this is literally just straight up only starters, which like, again, this makes no sense in terms of sports practice.
1: Especially in a very physical sport, that part of the game is to literally chuck cannonballs at your head.
0: Yeah, no, that this sport is so dumb. I hate the sport so much.
1: <laughs> I think the way this sport is run is so dumb. You're gonna tell me the World Cup professional team didn't have players on standby? No, they definitely, trained up and ready to go. They definitely
0: did, but like
1: <sighs> Oliver Woods out here, like, ah, eh, one seeker's enough. Harry would be fine, and then gets mad at Harry when he gets wrecked.
0: Yeah. And then, so, like, we have tons of pointless strategy talk. Like, I'm pretty sure Harry emphasizes that they've been there for, like, hours just listening to Wood, like, ramble about, like, the strategy here. But, like, I'm not sure what kind of base defense. Like, there's not even really an offense and a defense. It's like you just keep switching sides throughout the whole game. So, like, I'm not sure what base defense Slytherin runs in terms of, like, what they do and, like, what Gryffindor's main attacking offense is. Like... I'm going to quote, like, a fun YouTuber that you and I both watch. Dude, just, like, get the snitch. It's not that hard.
1: I mean, yeah, that is kind of his whole game plan. Yeah. so I'm like, trying to think of what sport it's most like because every sport that it's similar to, like, indoor lacrosse or hockey has line changes. That's specifically when the other team gets the ball. You're supposed to swap out your offense for your defense, and your defense comes in and, and plays. Um, there's not many sports where you keep, other than basketball, that's the obvious one where you keep your starting lineup out for offense and defense. And I guess that's why he's making so many game plans. If anything, basketball has some of the most pregame planning stuff that you can't call on the court. Like your team just has to know where to go. The instant the ball happens, it's not like football where you can call it out beforehand where like, yeah, you have to memorize the play, but you don't have to think of which play to do at the time.
0: Yeah. And like, you got to think about it too. Like, Wood, as the keeper and the captain, he's so far away from the action that how is it easy for him to call out changes to his team? The Quidditch pitch is huge. There's no guarantee everybody hears him.
1: Yeah. Tough tough way to run a, a, a school team without a coach, but he's definitely not doing a great job.
0: I feel like it would have been really fun to introduce coaches for the quidditch teams i feel like that could have been a nice little addition to this series if we got to see them like walking around the school
1: i want to say that she didn't introduce a lot to quidditch because it wasn't supposed to be that big a point but going back and reading the books quidditch was a huge part it's it's not like it was a minor little side thing like the next chapter we read the death day party
0: (laughs) oh god death day party. Yeah, we should totally put that in a live action Harry Potter show. Fucking not.
1: Or <laughs> never.
0: Yeah. So, they're actually finally, finally using their brooms and going through practice and Colin Creevy's in the stand just like snapping off pictures like crazy and Wood is getting super paranoid. He's like, is that a spy? Is somebody watching us? Like, what's happening? And it's like, nah, he's Bill Belichick's spy. Don't worry. He's going to deliver this information to the New England Patriots. That's all we have to worry about. But then we do actually see some Slytherin action and we come to find out that thanks to a generous donation from a Mr. Lucius Malfoy, not only do the entire Slytherin team have Nimbus 2001's note, nice little upgrade on the model number there, but Draco Malfoy has (laughs) earned himself the seeker spot on the Slytherin Quidditch team.
1: Earned is a strong word.
0: Yeah, he bought himself this roster spot. He's like Bodie from Blue Mountain State where his dad is trying to buy him a roster spot off of the practice squad. If you guys haven't seen that show, I plug that so hard.
1: They don't even hide it either. They make it very evident that this man is only here because he bought us brooms.
0: Oh, for sure. But Drew, what kind of evidence do you see that like really points to that? Was it just like kind of how they talked?
1: Yeah, how they were treating him almost like honorably like respectfully what why would they ever treat a second year with respect they're not talking to draco they're talking to lucius through draco there
0: that makes sense and now i'm just kind of imagining like the beaters are using like the their brooms like the swipe the like sweeping end they're just like sweeping <laughs> the ground in front of him as he's walking forward just to make sure he doesn't like step in dirt or anything they're like well, they're I'll like curling the his <laughs> way yeah ah <laughs> <laughs> uh. Gross. I hate this kid. So Malfoy's talking an awful lot of shit, and he's, like, making fun of how the Weasleys are poor and, like, making fun of everybody's brooms and all that. And then we get this absolute fire quote. At least no one on the Gryffindor team had to buy their way in. They got in on pure talent. Hermione Granger from the top rope bringing the smack down on draco malfoy's bitch ass
1: i'm looking forward to the movie scene because i don't remember this at all i'm hoping they didn't take it away from hermione no spoilers i just want to hear hermione say these words out loud
0: yeah um stay tuned so stay tuned Apparently, this really ruffles our our little golden boy's skin here, ruffles his feathers up. So Draco Malfoy says the big time no, no word Mm -hmm. in the magical world. And he calls Hermione a mudblood to which this sets off a whole cascade of reactions from everybody on the Gryffindor team. Notice the Slytherins don't bat an eye. They defend their little racist scumbag the entire time.
1: They defend their Gringotts bank. They're not defending a person. They're defending a wallet. Um, But the greatest reaction to this, I have to remember on this read through that the Weasleys are a pure bud family. Just say it over and over again. The Weasleys are a pure bud family. They should be acting like the Malfoys. And yet friend George without the blink of an eye to someone they're not related to at all. All Hermione is, is their brother's friend are about to kill Draco.
0: Oh, yeah. Much deserved. So like we're going to we're going to get into this a little bit where we kind of talk about the actual meaning of this word. But right now, like Harry's completely out of blue and we're like, I forget what type of narration style this is, but where it's like third person through Harry's eyes. So we're not getting any background right now what this is. He just said something that seemed derogatory and it set everybody off. And then we get a call back. Eat slugs, Draco. From Mr. Ron Weasley. Uh, but unfortunately. The broken wand backfires. And Ron starts throwing up
1: slugs. Yeah, come on, Ron. So... You knew your wand was broken. Like You shouldn't even be using it in class. Forget an offensive spell.
0: Admire the heart there, though. Admire.
1: I already said I admired the heart for him not complaining once about his broken wand. He just goes about his day and does his normal thing.
0: Yeah. Recall that. Remember that he does this for his hobbies. He will jump right in. No questions asked. Like a classic Gryffindor without using his head.
1: That's just what I was going to say. It was pure blood Gryffindor. This man's just about to bash his head into this wall and puke.
0: Hits him with a quick you thought, but it turns out he thought. So a little bit of a little embarrassing. They have to drag this kid as he's puking up slugs down to Hagrid's house. A quick, quick, very close call with Gilderoy Lockhart, who apparently is another expert trying to talk to Hagrid about stuff now. And initially, something that we learn is that Lockhart was literally the only man for the job here because people think that the defense against the dark arts job is, in fact, jinxed stay tuned
1: yeah and this they say this jinx goes back before harry even came to the school this was not the first year that they've lost the defense against the dark arts teacher in a weird way
0: yeah very long-standing thing here it sounds like i'm very curious of what happened in that initial space of time to all of these former teachers i would like to that could be a fun side episode where we once we get to around, like, we have to wait until Half-Blood Prince to learn a little bit more about the actual time frame. But once we get around there, maybe we could kind of dive into how the other Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers might have lost their position. Yeah.
1: I remember I looked it up and it went back, like, I want to say 30 to 50 years. This has been years since I looked it up. It was very interesting how detailed they were.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. I would love to look into that. would be fun to do a side episode on that. If you guys would like that, definitely let us know in the either comment section, or in your rate and reviews. Um, so we also get a little bit of background on truly what a mudblood is, and it turns out that it means kind of, as you could kind of assume from the title, it means dirty blood. So anybody who has wizarding blood within them but they come from muggle families are considered to be mudbloods or they're deemed as not really being worthy of the magic that they have inside them because it doesn't come from anybody else in their family a popular thing here is they think they maybe somehow stole it from another wizard or wizarding family
1: which through a completely ignorant lens it is really strange that Someone with no wizarding family in their history, because uh, as much as I've seen from studying Harry Potter, it's not like they try to say that muggle-borns get powers because their great-great-great-grandfather was a wizard. It's just suddenly one of the descendants has magic. That That is super weird. Like some muggle used a curse or asked another witch to steal their powers or something. It is a little unique. Yeah. It happens a lot. It's not like Hermione's the only one.
0: Yeah, because, like, even Colin Creevy
1: is a mudblood, technically, because
0: he comes from a non-magical family, or at least as far as we know, his dad was, like, a milkman or something like that. It was, like, a really weird background, but it's just, it's weird how this kind of belief perpetuated, because if you think about in, quit in a not Quidditch, we were, ta- we were just talking about Quidditch, and, like, even in Potions, which is something that doesn't really involve true magic casting... Apparently, if you gave a muggle all the ingredients for a potion and the instructions, when they make it, it won't work. Right. So I'm curious how they have this thought in their head where knowing that about how, like, even a really truly non-magical thing works, how they came into a scenario where they truly believe that these people could be stealing magic from anybody. Like, is it like... In fairly odd parents where you could use a butterfly net to catch a fairy and like you have them captured. I don't understand.
1: Well, that's the genius about ignorance and racism, Ron, is that you can be the dumbest person on earth and still be blatantly racist. It's a club that invites all people.
0: It's a stupid club. But anyway, (laughs) great commentary. (laughs) Yeah. Also something that I want to point out here for when we get to the movie pod Notice that Hermione has no clue what this word means, and it has yeah. to be explained to her.
1: <laughs> in the in the book, right? You're Correct. saying because just now you had yes. said that Harry had no idea, but I almost stepped in. I was like, wait, Hermione didn't know either, right?
0: Yep, neither of them knew. So, so in
1: all of Hermione's research, because she did research in actual like intelligent literature throughout the summer, she read a ton of books, and this is her second year, so I'm sure she read a ton more books. That term never came up in any of her intelligent academia books that she was reading which is also
0: weird because you think in a lot of these history books unless like hogwarts is having kids read really whitewashed history books you would probably imagine that they would come up with something like this in any kind of history where like mudbloods were first identified as part of the wizarding populace in like x year xyz or like they probably wouldn't use that word they'd say that that's what they were called by people like how it is in like any of our history books where it's like They called like Native Americans, they would call them like savages or something like that. They would probably they probably would have brought something like that up unless these are very edited, like PC or like making wizarding look better books.
1: That's interesting, because I was thinking the other way where I don't remember any of our history books using the N word, which is what I generally compare Mudblood to. So if I was to not ever talk to anyone, if I'm just learning everything about African-American history from history books, I don't think I would ever see that word.
0: You know what's interesting too is I think our actual exposure to that word when we were learning was in English classes. And it was in like To Kill a Mockingbird and like yes. Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn.
1: Right. It wasn't in the actual history book. It didn't explain what it was. Which is weird. Right. Now, and like, Hermione's not reading those fictional books. She's reading straight dictionaries on wizarding. So she, it makes sense that she would have no interaction with that with mudblood.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, okay. That makes sense now, but I do, I do still think it's kind of weird that they wouldn't have brought up that in any kind of book that she would have read just because she reads so much.
1: Right. It is. She has gone through a ton of books.
0: Exactly. It's interesting. But either way, stay tuned to the movie pod for this.
1: scene. (laughs) Okay.
0: Um, so like something else I want to know, like they can't, can't, they tell an actual teacher that like Malfoy is saying slurs to muggle born people? Like, I feel like that would be a pretty big point of contention and would get these kids in trouble.
1: Yeah, It's a good point.
0: This would be a good way to squash some of that behavior.
1: Yeah. At least you can get a couple points taken away from Slytherin, but yeah. then I guess you're just a tattletale because they're still 12 year olds. So then you're just a snitch yeah true true. read a 12 year old sucks
0: (laughs) yeah would not go back middle school was rough no absolutely
1: (laughs) never going back to middle school
0: oh so much you know like
1: 15 15 through 18 like harry's like fifth through seventh year i would hop back into absolutely never going back to first through third
0: oh yeah no shot just so much awkwardness and new body hair no thanks yeah hard pass so then we have another really good dig that comes up here, too. And I always re- I always really like this one. I feel bad for Neville, but
1: like it's so mean
0: <laughs> Ron hits him with look at and he's like because he like sticking up for Hermione after he gives them some background on what a mudblood is. Notice that Ron gives the background here. Interesting. Don't usually see that. Stay tuned for the movie. Uh, look at Neville Longbottom. He's pureblood and he could barely stand a culture the right way up, which I mean, true, but very mean.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to pick up what you're putting down about the movie. And again, it makes sense that Ron would be the one to know the knowledge because he's learned everything from, I don't want to say street knowledge. Like, obviously, he was raised well and taught well, but it is more like on the street learning. That's why Fred and George are such unique geniuses is because none of their smarts came from books.
0: So, I think that also just shows the differences in parenting styles between the Malfoys and the Weasleys. Because I feel like
1: in in the
0: Weasley family, somebody might have said that word not knowing what it means. And like Molly and Arthur instantly correct it and say, no, that's not okay. Don't say that. That's derogatory to people. Whereas like Lucius and Narcissa are just spouting it off left and right. And Malfoy's like, that's a cool word. I'm going to use
1: that word. I like that word. (laughs) But yeah, again, going back to Fred and George's reaction, like, I can't get over enough how different the Weasleys are from the Malfoys. When they both hold positions at the ministry, they're both purebloods. They both have kids. It's it's disturbing, the differences. And it just shows you how amazing the Weasleys are as, as parents and humans. Just another callback to where Arthur told Lucius, what
0: disgraced the name of wizard is very different in both of our perspectives. I butchered the quote, but that's essentially what he said.
1: It's okay. We're just going to title this episode Butchering Quotes.
0: I kind of like that let's keep that in mind (laughs) so you know we dumped on Hagrid a lot last book but he definitely earned some points back for me in this little exchange where like he's like Harry so I heard you're giving out signed pictures where can I get one of those (laughs) and he just starts ragging on Harry and then he's like Hagrid's like telling him he's just kidding like he knows he's not like that big headed he's like I knew you hadn't really. I told Lockhart you didn't need to. You're more famous than him without trying. And they're like, how did he react to that? He's like, you know, I don't think he liked it that much.
1: <laughs> yeah, Hagrid out here dropping, dropping uh, massive balls on Lockhart.
0: Yeah. And I mean, probably not good. He's definitely using illegal magic to artificially grow his pumpkins, which not great. <laughs> But then uh, <laughs> this whole next little piece, where he like tells ha- ha- he tells Harry that like Ginny's been scoping around lately for like looking for Harry around like Hagrid's hut supposedly. And he's like I'm sure she wouldn't mind one of them side pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Hagrid Ron- Hagrid
1: is pretty clutch in this chapter. Oh
0: my god. And then freaking, Ron snorted with laughter and the ground was sprayed with slugs. So I'm just imagining he's just like huh, like just spouting slugs everywhere. Oh my god.
1: Interesting question for you on Hagrid growing those pumpkins. So yeah, yeah uh, he's he can't use magic. It's illegal. Um What if he was to make a potion like we were talking about muggles can't make potions and have them come out magical, even if they use the same ingredients. So, like, would Hagrid get in trouble if he just mixed some stuff into a jar?
0: You know, I don't think he really would, to be honest. I think they just prevented him from using an actual wand to do anything. So, like, going into the example where if he's, like, using his wand to stir the potion instead of physically stirring it, I feel like that would probably get him in trouble.
1: Right. So he's almost been put down to like house elf status versus muggle status.
0: Yeah. Like, I just can't picture Hagrid mixing a potion by himself, though. I feel like he wouldn't be good no. at following the directions.
1: No, but that's what I was hoping. Like, hey, Hagrid, if you had gotten smart in herbology, you could have been the herbology teacher. But no, no,
0: that unfortunately, no. Poor guy. Yep. So to kind of close out this section, um, we knew that Rod and Harry didn't get off fully scot-free here, and they are now set to serve their detentions. So Ron has to go to the trophy hall, and he has to physically polish every trophy in that room. No magic, just his hands. Which, like, honestly, if he tried to use magic to do it, he'd probably destroy most of the trophies in there. So, yeah, makes sense. And Harry's punishment is helping Lockhart sign and address his fan mail. The two clearly argue over who has it worst, And I definitely think Harry has it worse.
1: <laughs> I would still rather be with Lockhart than Filch.
0: Yeah, fair. Filch definitely sucks.
1: Filch is terrible.
0: Yeah. So the chapter ends in its entirety with a mysterious voice washing over Harry as he's dozily writing out those last couple addresses on those envelopes, mentions some pretty sadistic stuff, including ripping, tearing and killing. This doesn't sound like one of Filch's uh, records being left playing at this point. So we definitely think that something is up to no good here.
1: Yeah, just um, add it to the long list of voices that Harry hears that no one else can.
0: Yeah, so he's hearing things, and he's just not sure what's going down here. So I'll be honest,
1: before we end the chapter, I'm going to hop back. I was laughing too hard at all of Hagrid, Hagrid's jokes. Uh, yeah. I'm so glad that he got fun. You saying the comment about uh, Neville being pure-blooded. Yep. I am still going back and figuring out who's saker 28 and who's not. Mm-hmm.
0: Could you repeat that Sacred
1: 28 piece? I lost you. That's okay. Where? are just, just from the beginning there?
0: Yeah, because you just said you're going back and looking into the Sacred 28. Kristen, cut this, please.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. And then I, it's been weird for me getting used to who's sacred 28 and who's not. So I at the pure blood mention, I went back and looked and long bottom is one of the sacred 28. Um, and from that wiki, I just kind of went down the rabbit hole and ended up in the long bottom family and who they're related to. Cause each family in, um the Harry Potter wiki has some relation mm-hmm. on their page. So like the potters don't have any major relations to any other families. Even the Weasleys don't have a ton. The long bottoms have the longest list I've seen on there. It's uh, Potter's Blacks, Weasleys, and a bunch of other important families all throughout the books uh, are all somewhat related to Neville, which was really weird for me that they never bring that up. They don't bring that up here, but
0: pay attention in Order of the Phoenix. We will learn a little bit more about pure blood familial connections in there.
1: Okay, which is I know everything from Order of the Phoenix that I remember is all the not not blood bonds, but actual like brotherhood bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just completely skipped over the actual blood bond part. <laughs> yeah,
0: we do in the books. We actually do get a little aside that talks about like relations to certain characters at that yeah. point. So it is interesting to see it and it's kind of eye opening. So definitely stay tuned for that. I think you'll be intrigued once you get to read it again,
1: especially because the potters are not one of the sacred 28, but the long bottoms are still related to them.
0: There's probably some wizarding background there just because like. The potters probably like at James, especially he married Lily and she was muggle born. So that kind of right. di- diluted in air quotes the bloodline a little bit. So that kind of pulls them out of the sacred 28. But right.
1: I do always mean to go and look if James was sacred 28 before he married Lily. But I always forget. And that'll I don't think in- he was.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I think we should also do a sacred 28 episode because we're spouting off sacred 28 a lot. And I think that, that would be a good background people it would be fun to research too so
1: yeah i'm only saying it because i it's the first read through that i have all that background knowledge for and i'm picking up on all of that kind of stuff I, I never remembered that neville was brought up during this scene in the book it's loving the little stuff that i'm grabbing
0: yeah for sure it's always it's always good on the rereads man i'm glad you're having a good time so now that brings us to i'm gonna be controversial after i say the name of the chapter Chapter eight, the death day party, completely honest. This chapter sucks. I hate this chapter.
1: Yeah, I did not know that you thought this chapter sucked going in. And in my notes, I literally said, I see why they cut this out of the movie.
0: Yeah, it seems like one of the most common scenes that comes up when any like you go on any like Harry Potter, like fandom page or wiki or reddit whatever and they talk about if you could have one scene that was in the books but didn't make it to the movies for like a harry potter tv series which scene would you want to see and consistently one of the top answers is this party and i don't know why people think that
1: because it's an entire chapter and the chapters titled after it so i can see why like a lot of fans are going to think that this is this massive gap that we need to fill in I strongly disagree. This is a super weird chapter. It does not fit the flow of what Harry Potter has come to be known, even by book two. It just didn't make sense.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah, I was never a fan, but we'll we'll just get into it here. So as we move into the fall, we talk about how there's sickness plaguing the school and everybody's taking pepper up potions, which makes smoke come out of their ears, which is nice little fun image there. I kind of wish we got to see that in the movies. That would have been fun to actually see that occur. And however, the sickness that is plaguing the student body does not match the absolute sickness of the new Slytherin Quidditch team's brooms, which based on (laughs) scouting reports are apparently stupid fast from like all the players look like a blur. And according to I think it was Fred and George that were doing the scouting, this is definitely cause for worry for the Gryffindor Quidditch team.
1: It's a little Annoying that they sent Fred and George to the scouting when Harry's entire job is to follow blurs and catch them. So I feel like if you were worried that they are going too fast, you should send Harry for scouting. But whatever. Uh, only interesting part for me about this chapter is that uh, Ginny is supposedly one of the sick people that are catching this flu. And her brother has to bully her into taking the potion to get unsick to get cured why did i say (laughs) unsick
0: well i mean you're not wrong when she's not wrong yeah
1: yeah when wizards get (laughs) unsick they don't get cured they get unsick
0: yeah but i mean like you kind of got to relate that to any time you had to take liquid medicine as a kid because like personally i hated liquid medicine and i'd always have to like chase it with root beer a little bit or something like that whatever i'd take like liquid cough syrup
1: i guess yeah she is 11 i have to remember that but everyone else is taking it right next to her
0: I mean, it probably is a nice little peppermint flavor. It's probably tasty. It sounds like it's tasty to me.
1: I would hope Wizards would have the ability to make better tasting medicine than Muggles do.
0: God, I like to think so.
1: Although I say that, but they make steam come out of your ears. So maybe not.
0: Weird side effects of these potions. I mean, yeah. it's a great tasting peppermint drink, Where, but at the same time, you have smoke come out of your ears. You got to pick your battles here.
1: Yeah, Advil's never made smoke come out of my ears, so...
0: Yeah, can't, can't say that it's done that for me either. No. Yeah. So Harry returns from a particularly rainy and mucky Quidditch practice, only to run into nearly headless Nick, who he's just doing, like, the casual thing when you're crossing by somebody, exchanging pr- pleasantries really quick. Like, oh, hey, Nick, how's it going? Like, what's got you down? Like, how's things? And Nick does that thing where it's like, oh, nothing's wrong. It's just that. And then Harry gets looped into hearing about this dude's freaking problems. And unfortunately for poor Nick, Nearly Headless is not good enough to join the actual Headless Hunt, which is a fraternity of roving headless ghosts. Which, to be fair, based off all the activities they list off, he can't exactly do any of them, so he would not fit in that group anyway.
1: This Harry and Nick complaining to each other back and forth actually annoys me. Nick is sitting there complaining that he can't join a Headless Hunt, When the entire point is that they literally take their heads off for every event. So if you can't take your head off, you can't participate. Do you want this to be one of these special programs where everybody's got to play no matter what? And then we have to change the rules of the game? No, you're not getting invited.
0: Yeah, dude, he should just make his own club. He should be able to be his own person. Apparently he should. He's hundreds of years old at this point. Grow up.
1: He should have made his own club. He could have invited whatever ghosts he wanted. They could have played normal kickball instead of headless kickball. He would have had a great time.
0: Yeah, exactly. But instead, he's just in his feelings. Get over it, Nick. Be better.
1: Yeah. Which even being a Hogwarts ghost feels like part of your own club to me.
0: Yeah, that's a seems like a pretty exclusive group. Where and he is like the official Gryffindor ghost. Which yeah, like, he's
1: one of the top four. Like that's like awesome. Pretty
0: cool <laughs> title. Like something. Yeah. hang to hang your hat on and maybe let your head hang for it as well because your head is attached to your body still it sucks to say suck. I'd rather be
1: Gryffindor ghost than part of the headless hunt like it just seems weird yeah. and then we go straight from that to Harry complaining about Slytherin getting free brooms Harry you're yes. part of the 1% <laughs> you can buy whoever you want whatever you want I don't want you to hear com- I, if I ever hear you complaining about monetary things again I will stop reading this series Cause I'm pretty sure that he doesn't ever complain about them. And I'm hoping I don't want to stop reading.
0: Yeah. Like literally Harry, you have an entire vault full of cash. Like you could, you could do the same exact thing for your team.
1: Right. Um, If, if you really think it's that unjust, then just go buy yourself brooms. Yeah. You didn't even buy your own broom last year. So you saved money there.
0: Yeah, I completely don't understand. So based on this, I just did a quick Google search on Quora was the first place it came up where it's how much okay. does a Nimbus 2001 cost in dollars? So apparently based on like a guest exchange rate on uh, this answer, which like I don't know how credible it is, but it's the first answer I got. So I'm cool with it, um,
1: which we will figure out how credible it is when we do our, our video on uh wizard money to muggle purchases
0: exactly so this this answer projects a nimbus 2001 a single broom to cost about a thousand bucks which...
1: okay that's actually i mean it's not bad but it's for harry it's not bad for harry i'm not going out and oh, buying it's ta- seven thousand worth of brooms but i think in a past video we did figure out that he has about 1.2 million in his vault so I guess if that's supposed to be your entire life savings fund, which is not, you can go get a job after Hogwarts. Yeah. But like, yeah, 7,000 is a big chunk, but this is also your favorite thing to do at Hogwarts. So just buy the brooms.
0: It is a big chunk, but like to Harry and especially to the Malfoys, it's a drop in the bucket. So I think, oh, if he-
1: for the Malfoys, it's nothing. Yeah.
0: If he really wanted to do this, he totally could have bought the entire team Nimbus his 2001s if Harry wanted to. And he was just like, fine, we're going to be on the same level. Suck that, Slytherins. He totally could have done it.
1: If he bought something for Fred and George before he bought something for Ron, I would have, I would have never stopped laughing. Stay tuned. <laughs> Fred George, here's your brand new broom. And then Ron's just standing, staring there like... Couldn't, couldn't grab me a wand while you're down there getting those bruises?
0: <laughs> I'm just picturing that Mike Wazowski meme where they swap Sully's face onto Mike Wazowski's body and he's just like dead staring straight ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But again, Holding his
1: broken wand, puking <laughs> slow.
0: <laughs> but I say again, Harry buying the twins something before Ron. Stay
1: tuned. Oh, all right. Staying tuned. Actually. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure... They-
0: Stay tuned. Either way, stay tuned. If it's what way. if
1: it's what you're thinking, that doesn't happen till way later. I'm sure he buys something for Ron.
0: it Stay tuned. Yeah, we'll okay. talk about this more at length a little bit later.
1: Because I only know one purchase that Harry makes for the twins.
0: Yeah, and it's pretty substantial.
1: It's a it's a big chunk.
0: Yeah, that uh, that could have gone elsewhere. You know, <laughs> could have
1: could could have gone to br- one tenth of that could have gone to brooms.
0: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I digress. Either way. So Harry picked the wrong castle to drag his muddy footprints in because Filch is on an absolute rampage against dirt and anything unclean right now. And he's trying to figure out the proper punishment for Harry Potter, drags him away to his little closet office where he leaves all of his chains and whips and other exciting materials hanging in full display for anybody to see when they come in, which like might go against decorating rules in terms of what you could put in your office or your place of business, but clearly Dumbledore does not care, so we're going to let that ride.
1: Yeah, I don't know whether to be worried that Filch uses the stuff on kids or if he just has his personal playtime toys just out for everyone to see. (laughs) Either way, I'm not happy about it. If he had
0: the option, it would totally be both.
1: It would totally be <laughs> if he had the option. Let's yeah. let's make that thing loud and clear
0: right now. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but of course, we have a Deuce X peeves situation where you hear him from far away. He lures Filch away by dropping what is described as a very expensive vanishing cabinet in the hallway. In order to lure him away and let Harry escape. But he doesn't escape at that time. He instead finds something called a quick spell advertisement. Which, um, for a fleeting moment at this scene, I do feel a little bad for Filch. Because, I feel
1: so bad for Filch for this.
0: Yeah, like this makes it, this makes you feel pretty bad. And.
1: Because we'll at first about- they, make it, they make it sound like he's just a bad wizard. So that's what the quick spell yeah. for. It's like, oh, okay. He's like trying to learn a foreign language when he's at a school that teaches foreign languages. But yeah. no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we talk about a little bit more behind this at the beginning of the next chapter, but I think now is as good of a time to address it. We might as well. So yeah, all right. apparently what this means is Filch is apparently bored of at least one magical parent but he unfortunately did not inherit any of these magical skills, which make him, what is a derogatory term as well, a squib, which is anybody born of any kind of magical parents that does not inherit the gift themselves. So unfortunately for Filch, that probably leads to a lot of bullying at the school and a lot of disrespect from the students, probably even the faculty, if we're being totally honest, and you see yeah. f- Fred and George make his life miserable pretty often, which not a great look from that end, even though they defend Mudbloods pretty well. but
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I would I would even argue the reason he stays at the school is he probably gets worse abuse in the rest of the wizarding world. The, this world is not built for people who don't have magic. You can't just be a muggle and go through life as a wizard. It's You wouldn't even be able to get into Diagon Alley.
0: Oh, yeah. Straight up. If you think about it, that actually makes it even more sad because he's holding on hope to the fact that he could possibly belong in the wizarding world by staying at Hogwarts, because like you said, if he's out of Hogwarts, he literally can't contribute anything to the wizarding world. A right. lot of people like this, they mentioned they just get normal lives like in yeah. the
1: real world. So they you have to never... you just have to go to a normal high school and a normal college once you figure it out. And, you know, probably all of your family, all of your friends are probably all wizards and you're just an accountant. Sorry, yeah.
0: yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and I mean, the only the only exposure he would ever probably get to the Wizarding World again, assuming he has any living relatives that are in the Wizarding World, is if they take him somewhere. Like, right. he, he can't get to Diagon Alley. He can't tap the brick with a wall. Lo- he, he probably... I don't even know if he could see the Leaky Cauldron to get in there.
1: Yeah, probably not.
0: Yeah, so, like, this is really his only opportunity to stay connected with the magical world and see these things. And it's, like, hard because he takes abuse from all these kids and it's definitely hard him that's why he's such a jerk but like kind of could see where he's coming from in a lot of these cases
1: i'm pretty sure both of his parents were wizards i think uh, jk did that just take the nail in harder and i've just written this headcanon that his mom died an early age and his dad was a huge quidditch fan so even though he was took him to the world cup every year And that was his like one bit of magic every year was taking the port key and watching the Quidditch World Cup. And then his dad died and he just can't go anymore.
0: Damn, that is a huge bummer. That's a so
1: depressing. Filch's life is depressing.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Justice for Filch sometimes.
1: Sometimes. okay. The fact that he took that depression and turned it into abuse of children do not defend whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's tough. Wow, look at that. See, we were able to pull some pretty good stuff from this chapter. I thought we were just going to power through it and it was going to suck. And we were just going to, like, eat the vegetables. Yeah, I forget, that the,
1: right? I forget that the title of the chapter only has to do with about half of the chapter. Because that's all of my notes. We've pretty much gone through all of my notes for this chapter and we're not even, like, halfway through. So that's, that's fun. We're about to get to the fun part.
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, apparently, Nick ordered Peeves to break that vanishing cabinet oh and to kind of like backtrack a little bit sorry i kind of skipped over this uh phil just kind of recognizes that harry was reading that quick spell ad that he got and out of embarrassment he just tells harry he could go so harry's
1: harry's real bad at hiding stuff he put the pamphlet down two feet away from where he picked it up like yeah, come on,
0: literally bro. just like put it in the same spot or like if you just put it behind your back like he probably wouldn't have noticed it was gone right away and you wouldn't yeah like to under
1: the know. desk or something which it ended up saving him but still
0: Yeah, got to be got to be more stealthy, Harry. You need some work. Yep. But so again, so Nick had peeves break that cabinet in order to get Harry out of trouble. And of course, that means he owes Nick a favor. What is that favor you might ask? This favor is to go to nearly headless Nick's death day party and to convince the headless hunt Using his celebrity status, Drew, that he should be included in the headless hunt with them. And that comes at a cost of missing the big Halloween feast at Hogwarts, which looks to be a pretty good one this year, especially with Hagrid's pumpkins that are the size of backyard sheds.
1: (laughs) Because because of his legal potion making, okay? Not because of his illegal use of pumpkin raising spells.
0: Yeah, they don't call him a green thumb Hagrid for nothing.
1: I don't think anybody calls him that.
0: Yeah, nobody calls him that.
1: Otherwise, he would, again, be the <laughs> herbology teacher.
0: Which makes sense. Would take <laughs> yeah. a lot to get Professor Sprout out of that role, though, man. She's got tenure.
1: It would. Yeah.
0: So... Of course, Harry feels extremely guilty and naturally very pressured into this situation because Nick just saved him from detention, I guess. Which like would mean more probably more Lockhart fan mail answering, which I mean, I yeah, I guess it did kind of save him from that. It, it um, did
1: save him. Nick is a bro.
0: Yeah, Nick was a bro here. He complains a lot, but he was a bro. Yeah, so, but Harry
1: complains a lot too, so like whatever.
0: Fair, fair. So, of course, If Harry has to go, that means Ron and Hermione also have to go.
1: Which makes no sense. Also, I just thought of all the complaints that Nick has said and all the complaints that Harry said. (laughs) Nick's like, my head's not all the way off. And Harry's like, my scar hurts and I hear voices that want to kill people. I'm like, all right, maybe Harry's complaints are a little worse.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe a little bit. We're like, Nick, you've been dead, dude. Like, that's just how you died. You definitely did something to have to get executed at the block. So, like, you only got yourself to blame, I think. At that point, that'd be fun. I'm curious, actually. I don't actually know what nearly had this Nick was being executed for. That would be interesting to look into.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't think we actually learned because we do learn that it was by, like, a rusty axe. And that's why it wasn't all the way off. Yeah, I think it was, it was like 25 like, cuts. <laughs>
0: yeah, and just didn't get that little piece of skin. Such a yeah. bummer. Yeah, so we get to the death day party and this party sounds absolutely miserable.
1: Like, uh, If you're a human, if you're not dead.
0: Honestly, even if you're a ghost, this sounds like a shitty party. And like, I'd be like, why did Nick invite me to this? This is garbage.
1: The ghost sounded like they were having an okay time. The time did get better when the the real cool people showed up, but like they weren't having a bad time.
0: Yeah. So like basically the way this is set up is that everybody it's super dark and somber and like Nick is very like in his feelings, like just all this stupid stuff and all the food has been left to rot in extreme states so that the ghosts could somewhat taste it. Which, like, at that point, even if you could taste it, you'd definitely just taste rotten food, which I don't even know why you would want that. And then we run into our first instance of meeting Moaning Myrtle, who is the ghost that haunts the girls' bathroom on the first floor. Uh, Definitely keep her in mind as we continue to read, because she is going to be a very prevalent character throughout this book, and she will make some brief appearances throughout the rest of the
1: series. To show you how important, she's the only ghost that the movie's actually cared about.
0: Indeed, that is
1: also a very (laughs) good
0: point. (laughs) So, Nick is trying to give this really lame speech. Like, I don't know why he's giving a speech at, like, this would be like giving a speech at your birthday, which is super weird. And, like, if if I went to your birthday, Drew, and you, like, started to give a speech about, like, why we're gathered here, I would think you lost a lot of street cred.
1: I uh, I may have done that. Is that is that a bad thing? Is it I, bad to give speeches at your birthday party?
0: As far well, it depends on what kind of the, what the speech is. If it's like why you're celebrating yourself, then yeah, that's kind of bad. But if it's like let's go get after it, like let's party, let's get wasted, then like that's okay, I think.
1: I think I have twenty six birthdays to apologize for. Then
0: interesting. <laughs> I don't recall you ever giving a speech at your birthday, but let's. We'll gloss over it. We'll we'll discuss this offline. (laughs) (laughs) So like this whole scenario is just so awkward because then the headless hunt comes in and they're all like super cool and everybody's like, oh, these guys are awesome. And like everybody's ignoring Nick, which like (laughs) definitely felt bad for Nick a little bit there, but he's being super pompous about this. So like at the same time, kind of brought it on himself.
1: Right. You invited the people that, you know, don't really like you because you've pestered them for years and they came and you should be happy they even came, not that they're stealing the limelight.
0: On the good side, though, this is a very convenient out for the gang. So they just slip out and escape. (laughs) They
1: (laughs) absolutely book it.
0: Yeah. Also, we also note that Harry does an absolute terrible job of hyping Nick up to this headless hunt. it's
1: awful. I mean, it was never going to work anyway. You're like, why is this living person talking to me? But he did a horrible job.
0: He's just like, I think Nick is scary. And the leader of the headless hunt is just like, yeah, he told you to say that, didn't he?
1: (laughs) Instantly (laughs) catches on. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't care.
0: So as the gang is heading up from the dungeon, which like apparently it's super cold down there, too, so like good thing they got out of there. Um, Harry starts hearing the murder voice again, which is not great. And he also finds out that literally only he could hear these voices. So Ron and Hermione are like, dude, what are you talking about? What's going on? And then he's like, it's it's going to kill somebody. He's running up the stairs. They're like, what is this guy doing? Yep. Yeah.
1: This is when we realize that Harry's yet again going into Hogwarts territory, that he should not be where no one else is like Harry. Just go to the dining hall and let the adults figure it out. Please stop. One more got taken care of. Just just relax. But no, he's going to run alone down a dark corridor towards death.
0: Harry Potter and yet another year. I should have minded my own fucking business.
1: Just put this on the list of reasons that in a few books he gets played so hard.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. Stay frickin tuned for that, too. Oh, my God. That's always a rough part for me. I I hate that part so much. Like in terms of like how it like stings pretty good. Yeah. But the gang comes across a corridor covered in water there's some words painted on the wall here mm-hmm. the chamber of secrets oh there it is they roll the credits
1: <laughs> has been opened and, and uh what's the what are the words written in rob
0: they're written in what seems to be r- blood or red paint
1: oh okay so it's paint
0: i'm thinking it is because
1: there's, there's nothing dead nearby that it would be blood right
0: uh, I don't think so. Uh, they're just reading the rest of the, what's on the wall. It says enemies of the air beware. So like, oh, no, that's weird. Somebody's putting some weird graffiti on this yeah. wall. Like
1: I was going to say, this sounds like a creative writing class just went a little too crazy during the feast. Yeah, I, I don't the, see this as a problem.
0: One of the like emo kids at Hogwarts, like is doing a interesting art project for wizard art class, like it's no mm-hmm. big deal. But then they keep looking and lo and behold, this is Norris is hanging by her. Oh. Am I still here? Yep. Okay. Did I I lose anything there?
1: On my side, you lost a ton, but I probably just cut you off on your side.
0: No, it's okay. We could just edit this part out. Okay. So.
1: It looked like it hard dropped, and I wasn't sure if you were waiting for me to talk or not.
0: Got it. No, we're all good. So, I mean, right now, this just kind of seems like, we'll just say, hold on. So, Kristen cut like a little bit before there, because I don't know if it came through on my side or not.
1: I'm sure it did. It's fine. Just right, yeah, we'll say it. it. We'll work through it. Yeah. Just so pick like, up wherever. She'll so this seems
0: out. like a thing where it's like either, like you said, Drew, it's like a wizard creative writing class project, or like one of the emo kids is doing some weird piece for his Hogwarts wizard art class. Yeah, nothing too crazy until they see Mrs. Norris hanging by her tail from one of the torches. Stiff as oh, a board. Oh yeah, that uh, that puts
1: different stakes on this.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, stiff as a board, not moving. And Ronnie Doves has the right idea. He's like, guys, let's get the fuck out of here. This is not a good place to be.
1: Mm-hmm. And Ron doesn't even know that Harry was the last one that Filch was probably mad at. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So they don't get out of the way quick enough because literally the entire school student body rolls up and sees what went down. Of course. And of course, out of the back, you hear, huh, enemies of the air, beware your next mudbloods from Draco Malfoy, which like can some like we're not going to say anything to this kid right now. Like I get like he said probably, it in
1: front of the entire school.
0: Like I get we're all probably in shock from seeing like a bunch of water and like possibly dead cat hanging from a torch. But like this dude, like just said something pretty messed up. Maybe we should somebody should be like Malfoy, shut up or something like that.
1: Like, I guess maybe most people don't know who said it because he's still a second year. So, like, a lot of the kids don't know who it is, but it's pretty obvious. It was one of the Slytherins. It's probably the rich one that's racist. Come on.
0: Yeah. But I digress. Also kind of note that I mentioned before the water. There's kind of a lot of water there for this being a random corridor, which seems a little out of place.
1: Yeah, we both seem to be uh, hammering stuff in this chapter. That's uh, some... Some really, really small foreshadowing for some later stuff here, Ron.
0: Indeed. Indeed.
1: Which is amazing writing. Like this, from an author standpoint, going back and reading these books has been fantastic. But like also, just I was bragging about from a reader standpoint, it's been great. But seeing the little foreshadowing like this, you don't have to bash someone over the head with foreshadowing. It's, I would have never noticed the being sick thing and i would have never noticed that there was water because i'm too focused on the dead cat in the blood like genius yeah. writing
0: yeah lots lots of little clues here and then that's how that chapter ends and it's gonna bring us to chapter nine the writing on the wall which we just saw that writing on the wall um this is one of those few chapters where uh, maybe not the few but it seems like it's a little rare every so often where we essentially jump right back into where we left off and we arrive on. This is basically a very big like it's not what it looks like moment where. Which
1: it's it, it looks pretty bad.
0: It looks really bad. Um, So then it goes from bad to worse when Filch and the teacher show up and Filch immediately goes Harry killed by cat. Basically, he's like Which, he
1: has every right cat. to think that this kid that he tried to give detention earlier who learned he was a squib Suddenly, his cat's dead, and he's the one standing in front of it. I would also think the same thing.
0: Yeah, so it's 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 incriminating. It does not it's look bad.
1: Good. It's yeah, bad. Looks very bad. Wizard <laughs> lawyers need to be called.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> won't say anything without my attorney present.
1: You know that that's a good point. Actually, we'll we'll have to do a video on wizarding lawyers too, because we see legitimate court cases in the ministry later and there are no lawyers to be found.
0: Yeah, we do. Every court proceeding is an absolute sham in the It's bad. Way. <laughs> so, moving ahead, uh they decide to use Gilroy Lockhart's office because it's close by as a place where they're going to investigate the cat and Lockhart's trying to list off all the people that he saved from curses like <laughs> this and like the supposed curse that killed the cat because he's sure this cat is dead, which like It looks like it's dead. It looks
1: real dead. And I just want to point out who did Dumbledore call specifically for to go into Lockhart's office?
0: That's a really good question. I think he called for like the trio, Filch, probably, I think he might have called for Snape.
1: Yep. And one more. No. Yes. Yes. I feel so bad for the other head of Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff. Because Dumbledore clearly has favorites and doesn't like them. (laughs) No matter what goes wrong. Because there's no Slytherin involved in this. So I understand you could have said, oh, I called McGonagall because her kids were there. Why did you call Snape then? You you called your two favorite people and then just ignored the Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff head of houses. I feel terrible.
0: No love for Sprout or Flitwick. Absolutely none. Or like even the non-heads of house, like professor vector that's like the wizard math teacher like no love for no love for her
1: no i love i do actually love the the ghost history teacher but uh dumbledore does not so
0: yeah understandable yeah. he so. only
1: loves snape and McGonagall.
0: truth so which
1: honestly i really just keep going on tangents i'm so it's sorry okay. but no, we, got we good do tangents. later learn why he has this thing with snape But in this main series, we don't learn why he has this thing with McGonagall. So it would be super cool if um, the quote unquote plot hole from Crimes of Grindelwald actually did end up being some weird McGonagall time travel thing. And that's why she's so close with them.
0: That would be super cool. I do hope they address that piece because fans were not happy about. I'm still
1: not happy and I don't like any of the fan theories that are trying to fix it. None of them are good. Yes, exactly. None
0: of them, which usually
1: good. fan theories are amazing at fixing plot holes, but this one's just too big.
0: Also, without spoilers, the crimes of Grindelwald, the end of that may be really mad. Also.
1: The end. Oh, why? What?
0: Okay, Cause that's separate, that separate on video too. on that, I guess.
1: Because yeah. I love the crimes of Grindelwald. So far, I've enjoyed Fantastic Beasts more than I've enjoyed the actual Harry Potter series.
0: In terms of movies.
1: Uh, well, yeah, there's no book.
0: Fair. Very fair.
1: Yeah, but
0: we could talk about that later, but I absolutely hated the ending to Cribs of Grindelwald. Like, the big thing. I at
1: the end. can't wait to debate you. But I will let you get back on track.
0: Exactly. So, anyway, Lockhart is very sure of what happened, and Dumbledore's like, shut your whole ass up. This cat is just petrified. Don't worry. We'll fix it. Um, Filch also refuses to believe. Am I still there? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Filch also refuses to believe that Harry didn't do this, and he thinks it was because, again, this is kind of what we touched on before, He know, Harry knows, apparently, that Filch's a squib. And uh, Harry never heard this word in his life, so he didn't know what that was talking about now. But we already covered what a squib is, so I don't want to, like, beat that up anymore. Um, yeah, it's fine. So, Snape is like, please, give me my ladle and let me stir this pot. And he, like, talks about how <laughs> they could be innocent, but then... <laughs> He goes into all the reasons why they're definitely not innocent, which, like, dude, shut up. And he's like, then why weren't you guys at the feast? And then Ron's like, oh, we weren't that hungry. And then his stomach growls really loudly and just completely gives him away. (laughs) And then, Um,
1: yeah, go ahead. Just a random side note. I was told by our editor the other day that she likes to edit out I guess. I hate my laugh as it is. I don't want to be told that it's too long. Good.
0: Okay, now you're back. Yeah. Okay. You were told Did you our... hear any of. No, you were told by our editor what?
1: It's fine. Just cut it. It sucked anyway.
0: Oh, okay.
1: It sounded better in my head.
0: Oh, man. It's okay. You tried you tried. I tried. So so Snape has feels like he has all the evidence he needs, and he really wants to bring the banhammer down on these three kids just because he can and he's a vengeful asshole. So McGee basically you could punish these kids however you want, but she'll be damned if she lets somebody take away her Quidditch prodigy. That is not happening. Okay, okay, okay. I thought you was saying something like that. Nope. <laughs> so Dumbledore mentions, I'm pretty sure it's Dumbledore that mentions that a cure can be made from the mandrakes that Professor Sprout is currently cultivating and using as the second year's class project, for lack of a better term. And then Gilroy Lockhart's like, oh, a very simple potion. I could definitely make it. And then Snape is like, the fuck you are. I am the potions master at this school. <laughs> know your role. Get out of my way.
1: Like Lockhart, you just spent the last 10 minutes saying how dead this cat was and now you're the expert on making it alive again? Calm down.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, so like afterwards when the kids are essentially free to go they talk about what a squib is and like Rod's like normally it's not cool which like I'm glad that he said that but because it's filched it's kind of funny and essentially gives a background of what the squibs are and the kids are wondering like what's going on with this chamber of secrets here? Like what could this possibly be? Um, I also wanted to make an aside that Hermione, for one of her essays, supposedly wrote over four and a half feet of parchment paper, which, like, I was thinking about it, like, if we look at a standard piece of computer paper, that's about 11, 11 and a half inches long. Mm-hmm. So then, she essentially wrote about five full ones of these pieces of paper, probably, around there. A little more than four.
1: Yeah, but I would assume parchment is wider than eight and a half.
0: That was my thought too so i was thinking like oh like four pages whatever like that's not that crazy but then apparently she also has tiny handwriting and she definitely single spaced this so this is probably a massive essay for a child so right touche hermione granger you genius
1: an essay for something that probably could have been a paragraph
0: (laughs) yeah probably she probably knew a whole lot of that stuff yeah gave a lot of good background Oh, so true. You mentioned our ghost professor before you're we're about to get some of the only real interactions that we ever have with him in the entire series. Are you ready for this?
1: We had a little interaction in the first book.
0: We get next to no interaction with this guy.
1: Yeah, it's sad, but this conversation could spark an entire prequel TV series that I am dying for. I would rather a prequel TV series than an actual, hey, we're going to fix the movie series because I think the movies are done just fine. You don't need to fix it. But a prequel series that talks about the founders because of this ghost, I would love that. I want both of them. Well, we're not getting both, Ron.
0: Let me dream about what I want. So, anyway, get ready. We go to history, the history of magic, and we get a new book title here. It is called Hermione Granger and the audacity of this bitch to raise her hand and interrupt Professor Bids and ask what the Chamber of Secrets is." So, I love
1: that she just raises her hand too. It's not like Ron, where Ron would just speak out and be like, "Hey, what's the Chamber, dude?" She sits there and just keeps her hand raised until he calls on her. yeah, hey, uh, yo, Benny, yo, Binny, what's the Chamber? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we end up uh, finding out what exactly the chamber of secrets is after a lot of back and forth where bins is essentially refusing to give background because in his perspective, this is all a myth and doesn't actually exist, which like I'll, I'll hammer on this more a little
1: bit later. We'll We'll get, there's a yeah. big chunk of this that we could attack later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he describes, based on the myth, what the Chamber of Secrets is. So Salazar Slytherin apparently had a big disagreement with the rest of the Hogwarts founders about muggle-born students and letting them in to practice magic. He apparently was very against it. Godric Gryffindor, the founder of the Gryffindor House, was very much for it. And it seems that I think Helga Hufflepuff and Rowena Ravenclaw, they were largely in favor too, but I think that's a little glossed over. So either way, Salazar was outvoted three to one. He had a large disagreement with Godric Gryffindor because naturally Gryffindors are hard-headed and they've essentially duked it out and Godric Gryffindor bested Salazar Slytherin. But Salazar Slytherin was not going quietly. He decided because he was, uh, had the ability to control monsters, he planted a monster in the basement of Hogwarts in this place called the Chamber of Secrets, supposedly, that only his true heir would be able to bring out and control. And then they would use it to wreak havoc on the Muggleborns that go to the school. So we, a lot is glossed over there which we will discuss a little bit later as we start to learn more and more about the chamber, but that is the essential story. And I also, and he just finished talking about it and he's not having any more questions or anything about this lesson. I also thought it was really funny how he never gets any of the students names. Right. And it's never. always, they're like always like wild card names that like make no sense and have no relation to their names. I think that's funny this entire exchange, but anyway, so The kids leave class and Ron, Harry and Hermione are chatting and Ron mentions that if he was put in Slytherin, he would have taken the train straight back home just because of their racist backgrounds and things of that nature, which naturally, as we remember, Harry was almost put in Slytherin. So not exactly reassuring to his pal here.
1: Yeah, Ron is super against the snaky snacks and uh, Harry's like, yo, dog, I could have been them. (laughs) Don't hurt them. So,
0: yeah. Um, crap, I forgot what I was just gonna say there. I just had something in my head. Kristen's gonna have to cut this out. <laughs> oh, sorry. So, okay, now I remember. So, the kids end up as they're walking out of class. You know that it's Harry Potter and the gang, and how we don't mind our own fucking business. So, Ever. So they're like, you know, let's take a look at this area and see what's going on here so they find i always thought this was weird they find some scorch marks along with the water and a trail of spiders scuttling away from the scene of the crime and it's funny because harry and hermione go to investigate a little bit more but ron is very much backed away and he's like hell nah i don't want this and they're like ron what's going on and he's like oh i don't like spiders and like hermione's like making fun of them And he's just like, oh, Fred and George or one of the twins turned his teddy bear into a spider when he was a kid because he broke their toy broom.
1: Obviously, I know where the spider thing ends up going, and I still don't really understand why it was included here. It just seems so random to have just a trail of spiders. I think it was just to introduce you know spiders may be scared of something and that ron is scared of spiders but it just it didn't make sense here i'm sorry
0: yeah just a little just a little piece of foreshadowing here so the kids actually notice the water again interesting where did this water come from they follow it and find it came from the girl's bathroom on the first floor and they're like you know Let's go take a look at this girl's bathroom. And like, I think it was funny because I think Ron was super reluctant. But they're like, oh, just come in. Like, nobody uses this bathroom because who's in there but Moaning Myrtle? And she's super obnoxious. And she's just a huge pain in the ass to them. And they eventually leave. So speaking of people that suck, enter Percy Weasley, who, while fingering his prefect badge with one hand and having very suspicious motion in in his pocket with his other hand. (laughs) He's like, what are you guys doing? Respect my authority. Uh, Minus points.
1: Yeah, uh, this is yet again, we're seeing a prefect take away points when Hagrid still does not have that authority. This is absolute blasphemy and just stupid, stupid authority rules.
0: Yes, literal children have more power than Hagrid. Let that soak in. Yeah. Oh, my God. So at this point, now that we've seen some clues, we're like, all right, who's up to this? And naturally, Ron's first guest, Draco Malfoy. If you're if you're a Weasley family member, you hate the Malfoys. It's just what you do.
1: And so far, Harry has jumped on that train. If something's wrong, it's Malfoy.
0: Yeah. What a bandwagoner.
1: Yeah. The only other times this does begin the long list. Harry does usually think it's Snape first. Mm. So if Snape has an alibi. Then it's Draco.
0: Function IF Snape equals yes, then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So they're like, there's no way that we could ask this kid about this stuff straight on. How are we going to get the juice from him? And the answer lies in the Polyjuice potion. Which we will learn about shortly in the next chapter.
1: And they say they only know about the Polyjuice potion because Snape was talking about it. And then they make it very clear that he's not supposed to be teaching it to second years. So why is he even bringing up a potion that he's not supposed to teach until I think it's the sixth or seventh year to these second years?
0: That is a very good question why he brought that up. I think it might have been a passing thing about like maybe forbidden potions or something because he definitely doesn't teach them how to make it
1: right No. So, yeah, maybe uh, that's the only thing I could think of. He was, went on a tangent and he's like, oh, yeah, this is kind of hard to make just like Polyjuice potion, but you won't bank that for years.
0: Yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. I think that's what he might have done.
1: But he seemed like he explained what it did, which is why they know.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: It was weird for me. Yeah,
0: I don't know, dude. I don't know. How are you holding up? Do you want to do the last chapter next time, or do you want to? I was going to
1: say, were you, you going to ask if we could stop? I wouldn't mind doing one more chapter, but then we still have the awards left. It's too, a lot. to yeah. take us a while. Yeah, so let's yeah. just
0: stop. Let's stop right here. I'm going to press the stop button on OBS and.